Well, welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. So we've been doing our relationship series. This is week four. And uh, as we've been talking about, we talked about in week one, we talked about the actual ugly door, you'd almost call it, the ugly door of humility. But actually on the other side of the ugly door of humility is actually all these incredible blessings. See, humility actually sometimes looks ugly from the outside, but actually when you walk in it, you realize that it's awesome. And we talked about how actually it is humility that allows us to lean in and to listen, listen to one another, listen in relationships, listen when you're in church, right? We don't, how many are you here to grow, yeah. right? So I hope every time you come to the house of God, you're here to grow, you're here to learn something, you're here to uh, get fresh revelation on something, and even on something that you've heard before, you're like, man, okay, I've heard it before, but have I applied it to my life? Like, I really believe that that is humility. Yeah. Then we walked and talked about honor. And actually, humility is the position of the heart, but honor is that action. Honor is that thing that you actually go all out and you, you talk about someone in an honorable way. And, and the Bible actually says we are to outdo one another in honor. And actually, as you give honor to God and give honor to people, you actually become, over the years, this isn't a quick fix, uh, you over the years become an honorable person. And then last week, we dived into prayer, the need of prayer, the source of prayer, uh, the strength of prayer, that really it unlocks God's presence and it unlocks God's promises and it unlocks God's protection over our lives. And I, I encourage you to become, even if you're not right now, you can become a person of prayer. Uh, so that's so critical. And then uh, today, obviously, we're going to do a bit of Q&A. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you're going to be a fun crowd. And you're going to applaud some things and laugh and say amen. And even if it didn't quite hit, can I say amen anyway? <laughs> That's good. And so we were going to start with Pastor Katie and Jesse. We're hitting the single face. So if you're single in here and you're loud and proud, I want to hear you shout, yeah! yeah! All right. Now I hope you other single people looked and, you know, took a scan of the room so you can get numbers later, okay? So we Quick love marriages. Yeah, yeah, it's like, okay, maybe we can do it one more time. This time you guys get a really good look. Ready? One, two, three, give a shout! Our yes. hands went up too, so that's good, all right? Yeah. So great. So Pastor Katie, she's been on team with us now for several years. You've been a Christian for about seven years, Pastor Katie? Eight years now. So um, she's actually been, you know, going, and I hope this is okay to say, but going, getting to know different people through online dating, so Christian dating and so forth online. But she's had some... <laughs> disastrous, <laughs> disastrous first-time dates. And I'm like, when we spoke about, you know, sharing some, she's like, which ones should I share? I have so many, and she does. So she normally texts me after her date. She's like, you're not even going to believe yeah. what just happened. So tell us uh, one of your favorite worst first dates. <laughs> okay, this one is one of my favorites. This one was kind of recent. Um, so... Before I go out with someone, I always let them know that I'm a pastor because, you know, you need to know. And, and so I'm very open about that. So the guy knew that I was a pastor on team, you know, before we went out. And then we get to this coffee shop where we meet in the city. And within like a few minutes, he says, can you please biblically defend how you're a pastor as a woman? 
and how like you lead as a woman. Like biblically defend it right now. And I was like, uh, all right, let me just drink my latte. And then he was like, no, I know it's weird to like make someone defend their job on the first date, but like defend your job. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I took another drink of my latte and then I explained it and then it was all good, but I that definitely didn't go out with that guy again. Cause yeah, he, he just wasn't for women. Yeah. yeah. No. I said to her, I'm like, he's so lucky I wasn't in the background. I'd throw my heel on his neck and just, I'm like, how dare he? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Man, okay. So but Pastor Katie, seeing on you, what is it like to date as a Christian compared to what you used to date before you being a Christian? You had a non-Christian boyfriend and so forth. How, how is it to date as a Christian? How do you align biblical values to dating now as a Christian woman? Because we don't wear hats, right? We talk about the pastor's hat, the leader hat. It, you have a Christian's hat, period. That's not whether you're a pastor right. or you're a leader. You always have the Christian hat. So your boundaries and your, your standards shouldn't change because you're a pastor. It's because you're a Christian. And yeah. so that's really important. So yeah. Pastor Katie, tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I think when it comes to dating and, and Christian dating in general and, and even just life, like as a Christian, I should always be seeking God first. I should always be running after Jesus first. And so I think when it comes to dating, it's, you know, you can get to know people and I think sometimes as Christians, there's so much pressure, like, oh, if you go on a coffee with someone one time, like, you need to get married, and I think, like, it's just, there's just a lot of pressure in church, like, if someone asks someone out, and then it just doesn't vibe, people are like, oh my goodness, it's okay, like, take the pressure off, get to know someone, Um, but as you're doing that, continue to seek Jesus first, Um, because I think as I continue to seek Jesus first, if that person is with me, and we're both seeking Jesus first, we're in a good place, Uh, but if I have to slow down my walk with God in order to date someone, I know that's usually a danger. So I think when it comes to Christian dating, get to know people, don't put too much pressure, but keep running after Jesus. Like don't stop the walk in order to date someone. So good. Pastor Katie said something interesting. And I think this is true to a lot of women, not all women. So I'm not trying to, you know, genderize or whatever you call that. But just because you go on a first date with a guy, ladies, it doesn't mean he's ready to propose. And so let the guy get to know you because the moment you start putting pressure on them, that starts to make them like, whoa, what's going on? I just want to get to know you to see if there's even chemistry here. So don't freak them out. Just have fun. Don't overthink. Girls, we're known for overthinking. Just enjoy. Have fun. Go sip a latte. Go have someone pay for your drink. And guys, pay for her drink. You know what I'm saying? And so... It's, a, it's one of the first you questions pay. I ask Katie. I'm like, Katie, do they even pay for your coffee? Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no. When it's no, I'm like, move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yes. so that's good. Um, Jesse, I wanted to ask you this question. Um, uh, yes, let's pass that mic. Being new to the faith, you've been a Christian now for three years, so you're probably, what, in your 30s somewhere? And so for many years, you dated as a non-Christian without the Christian boundaries that we honor and we value in the Word of God. How has that been for you coming from a non-Christian dating perspective to now you serve Jesus? You don't just serve him. You run hard after him. You want to be a disciple. How does that look like? What have been those changes? What's changed for you now as a man of God versus someone who just had no boundaries, no purpose in dating? Uh, for me, it was, it was just that. It was about me. Whatever right. the relationship, what, what can I get out of this relationship? Yeah. It was just so selfish. Um, uh, when things went wrong, I would just just go away. Like you that's bounce. it. That, that's it. Uh, th- there was no foundation. There was no boundaries. You know, uh, I would lean on my own strength on on a lot of things. And like I said, if if the relationship went south or, or sour or anything, or I didn't like what was going on, 
that, that's it, I'm gone. That, that's, there's no other excuses, but now, um, I know where my strength comes from. I, I know who to run to. That's um, good. You know, if, if, if I don't preach this, if, I, if I'm not living this, then honestly, like, what, what am I here for? You know, yeah. I, I, we're leading teams. We're, we're representing Christ. We're honoring God in everything that I do. That's um, so good, Jess. Just, just, you know, you could tell, like, you, from the world perspective, you, you think you're winning in life, but right. really you have no foundation. There's yeah. nothing, there's nothing holding you down, honestly. That's so um, good. And then when things go wrong, you, you don't, you don't turn to anyone. Now I know who to turn to. It's so good. And two, uh, you have two daughters. How does that change your perspective? <laughs> Big time. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, just being here, being around, um, great men, Pastor Anthony, Pastor Fernando, um, seeing great fathers, honestly. I never really was around great men, honestly. Um, you, like I said, in the world, you think you're winning in life, but then when you have children, and especially girls, you want to you, you wanna represent yourself well. You want to lead yourself well, right? Um, That's so good. Thank you. Yeah. Pastor Katie, back to you real quick. What are some of your non-negotiables in dating as a Christian woman? Um, so non-negotiables, uh, they definitely have to be Christian, no doubt about that. Yes. Um, you know, the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Um, but then I, I also believe that That's that good. is within um, believing too. Meaning like just because we both believe doesn't mean we're both following. Yeah. Um, so That's a non-negotiable so is... Actually, have to see some fruit again, not perfection, but just some fruit of you following Jesus. Yeah. So, like, are there some fruits of the Spirit? Is there love? Is there self control? Like, I have to see something yeah. that shows me you're following God, you're hearing from God. Um, for me, another non negotiable is um, just being involved in church, to be honest. Yeah. And I think because I don't want someone who's attending church or serving in church because of me, I want them to do it because they have their own conviction yeah. of I want to be in the house of God, yeah. I want to serve Jesus. So to me, that's a non negotiable. So um, Christian lifestyle, like if you say you're a Christian, and, and we're all working on, you know, being a better Christian, but I think just there's certain things that if they're fully in um that's really doesn't line up with a christian lifestyle for me that's a non-negotiable um like i'm going out with someone and they say they're a christian but they're still doing drugs or they're still getting drunk or i went out one time and, and someone had like they were on i think the third beer and the food hadn't come yet and i was like it's a little too much drinking for me um that's that's a non-negotiable yeah. um do, tell, do the thing like where they on your online profile is that you're a christian and then you can say like we oh. like that's hilarious Please yeah yeah us. so on so the way i do online since we're sharing this which is <laughs> <laughs> okay so <laughs> you can put a filter where you only want christians and so you think, okay, it's good because it's just Christians. But then there's a lot of other filters. And so it'll say on their page, Christian, yes. And then it'll say on this one dating profile, it'll say, um, do you drink? Do you smoke weed? Do you do drugs? And do you smoke cigarettes or something? And there are many people. It says, yes, Christian. And then it goes, yes, 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 yes. And I, and I go, no, no, no. <laughs> so, swipe, swipe, swipe. Yes. So to me, yeah. that's a non-negotiable. Yes to everything. <laughs> Yeah. How about you, Jesse? Do you have any non-negotiables there now as a Christian man um, when it comes to looking for a woman of God? Yeah, I think it's it's the uh, the drugs and alcohol thing. Um, you know, <laughs> that, that's so. big, right? You know, yeah, um, it is. Uh, prayer life. How they how um, do they are they in church? Are they planted? Yeah. You know, um, are they living the lifestyle outside of church? Right? Come inside. on. That's uh, good. Are they the same here, there, uh, at work? You know. Um, what that lifestyle really are they really living the Christian lifestyle share a verse that you have um, for your life that you kind of 
in relationships and finances and everything that you kind of hold on to to keep you accountable to your standards? Yeah. Uh, Psalm 119.9, how can a young man stand the path of purity by living according to his word? So good. It's, it's really just Can you say God's that principles. again? Say it again uh, and say it nice and slow so the person in the back can hear you. Psalm 119.9, somebody's <laughs> hand went up. <laughs> how can a young man stand the path of purity by living according to his word? So good. Jesse's a transformed leader, been in transform. He, he's just, he is planted. Like yes. He, he truly is. He's talked about how transform has really changed his life. So he doesn't attend church. No, he's part of a group. Yes. Part of a group he of growing men. Yes. Right. And uh, leading the way and helping others. So yes. it's, it's really cool to see. Pastor Katie, your verse. And then we're going to move on to Ori and Xander. Uh, so one of mine is, and it's not really like a relationship verse, but just in general, uh, Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to me as well. Yeah. And I think just for every area of life, like if I'm seeking Jesus first, then I'm going to be okay. And, and not making relationships the idol, Come but on. making Jesus yes. the focus um, yeah. is, is, yeah. Yeah. So important. Really good. Let's go to Ori and Xander. Yes. Yeah. Ori's been a faithful worship leader here at Church Alive for years now, yeah. faithfully serving as a youth leader as well, just a pillar, an intercessor, prayer warrior. I mean, she is the real deal, guys. Yeah. And Xander, a.k.a. Jesus, a.k.a. Aquaman, you know, <laughs> so... He's served faithfully in yeah. youth, on the parking team, on so many areas. And so we love this couple. Tell us a little bit about you guys, how long you guys been dating, how long were you guys friends before you started dating? Tell us a little bit. Well, um, if you ask me, we've been dating a year and six months. If you ask Rory, it's a year and five months because <laughs> that first month I thought we were dating. We were going out. Uh, and uh, actually, we've known each other for a while. Uh, we've known each other for seven years before we actually started dating. Uh, we met here in um, what was then called Melting Spot. Yep, it was the group. high school and college ministry. Um, and we spent the first five years of knowing each other just as uh, somebody in church that we would be friendly with, that we would cross paths and hang out and go out to eat. Um, and then it wasn't until the last two years where we started serving together that we got a lot closer. Uh, we started serving in Fearless. Um, Serving is good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, I think the last year before we started dating, we were actually um, in her house for Fearless. So the youth would meet there. And when it came time to set up, you would bet that I was there first. And when it came time to tear down, I was there last. That's great. So. Yeah. That's great. So... I don't know who wants to answer this. And what were you both looking to find in someone to date? Why was it so important to you, that thing you were looking for? Um, I'll say this before I go into my little list. I didn't really have a little list before because I thought I was going to be single for the rest of my life and I was totally fine with it. But I wrote something down just in case because God usually <laughs> has a different plan than I do. So I was like, just in case you decide to send somebody my way. Um, I wrote down a couple of things. So one of uh, which I think you guys already spoke on, but somebody who's Christian um, and not just like Pastor Katie was saying, not just like saying I'm a believer, but somebody who actually serves and loves God and, do, and does what the word says. Um, another one for me was someone who's honest. I totally value honesty. I prefer somebody to tell me the truth and have it hurt me than to be Come lying on. just to make me feel better. Yes. So somebody Serious. who's honest and somebody who's empathetic. I want to just... Not pathetic. Yeah. Enunciate that. <laughs> empathetic, meaning that they can put themselves in other people's shoes to understand so their 
their, their perspective. Mm. And I love when people, because sometimes I, I fear that I'm misunderstood. So I love that somebody can pause and think, you know, well, how is she seeing this? So and good. how does she understand this? Um, someone who's teachable, if you're teachable to me, that shows humility. That shows that you're willing to listen to somebody else's side and perspective and learn from that. Um, someone who's joyful, somebody who's adventurous and, and loves trying out new things. And um, I'm not from this country, so having somebody who's like, a little bit out there like let's try this let's try that it's really cool because you know i'm learning as i go that's awesome. being here and somebody who's patient um i think sometimes i can be difficult so <laughs> um, welcome if, to the female boat yeah. <laughs> so if i need somebody who's patient because i'm a little crazy sometimes <laughs> how about you oh did i did you finish your that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's it for me. how about you xander what were you looking for in a woman of god so I, I didn't have a, a list written out before I, you know, started dating. I, I definitely had in my head things that I was attracted to and things I was looking for. Um, and a lot of that came from understanding how the person, how their relationship was with God. Uh, and seeing the fruit of that would be seeing how they worship or how they pray. Uh, are, are they praying with boldness and in faith? And, so and when I saw, you know, there would be many times even from serving together that uh, team rallies and praying for the students, seeing how Ori would pray, it was a confirmation of her, how she uh, really relies on God in life. Uh, another one that was big for me was um, having somebody that has a growth mentality, because at the end of the day, I know who the person is now, but I know that we're gonna be growing together for the rest of our life, and I need somebody that's always growing, always looking to become better. So good, Xander. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, the things that are the, uh, maybe not the spiritual things, but the things that I look for that are more along uh, compatibility and being somebody that is full of laughter and full of joy, uh, full of having fun and competitive. Or his face is great. <laughs> yeah. That is totally her. Come on. <laughs> But having somebody that's competitive and, and likes to have fun and likes to laugh. That's awesome. What are some of the boundaries you guys have put your, in your relationship to keep yourselves honoring God and committed to God? Yeah, so when it comes to boundaries, I think probably the biggest thing is actually uh, keeping God in the center of our relationship. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we often do, we, we try to make it a habit to do, is invite God into when we go out on dates or when we're going and traveling. We'll actually start out our date nights often with, with actually sitting down and praying and asking God wow, to be part awesome. of the night. And the Better things that we, we have seen. <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> Taking notes, babe. <laughs> Just kidding, you know, you're the best. <laughs> the things that we have seen that have come from that has, has really changed our, our world. We have seen even, even moments where God might place something on one of our hearts and, and we go into uh, more of a conversation type of night where we just have to address certain things in our relationship. And there's been many times where, um, where something has come to my mind. I'll give an example. When we first started dating, um, I had kind of felt like God was telling me that we shouldn't start kissing right away. We should hold off on that and really get to know each other. We've known each other for a while, but it It'd be better off to really get to know each other first. So good. And it, it, it was kind of like, how do I bring this up? It's, you know, as a guy, it's like, well, what's going on? I, I want to, you know? 
but uh, when I brought it up immediately, she had been praying about that too. And it's just those moments where you know that God's hand is on it because so you're asking him to be part of it and yeah. then he shows up. So good. I know like even in our church, there are some couples who they've committed to not kiss at all until they get married because they don't want to have to deal with the other you know, boundaries that they don't want to break, that they want to keep honorable before God. So I commend those girls. That's awesome. And those relationships. That's great, guys. Um, let's see. Hmm. What are some of the things you've had to work on, Ori, uh, to protect those boundaries for Xander, to help Xander uh, keep walking that life out? How do you help protect him and his mind and all that kind of stuff as a woman of God to not lead him into temptation and stuff like that? Uh, for me, I have three main things, uh, one of which is modesty. I think Preach. as women, we have to be mindful of how we present ourselves, especially yes. in the way we dress. Yes, um, come Because the eyes can be deceiving, right? And yes. for guys, you just never know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for right. me, <laughs> no, I'm just it's being, because you don't know, like some people, uh, certain things can like trigger something in their mind and yeah. others it might not be the same, but just to be clear and just to make sure that that's not happening, I'm just like, gotta cover up myself, gotta dress modestly, not, not something too short, too tight, you know, just being mindful of that and knowing that also the Bible encourages us as women and it says, you know, to be mindful of how we dress and our beauty shouldn't so come good. from what we wear yes. or the way we present ourselves, but so it should good. be because we are women of God and because yeah. we honor God and so good. our beauty should come from Preach how we live our lives. So yes. I'm just mindful of Amen. that. And the second thing is, is touch for me, for like physical touch. Um, one of Xander's love languages that I've learned is, is physical touch and I have to be mindful of how I touch him. And I know that might sound a little weird, but it's, you got to learn your, uh, your partner's, um, love language so that you're mindful of how you're treating them like I have to be mindful not to touch him inappropriately and and that may be different for each guy or each girl it, whatever inappropriate is you learn that as well you can talk about it like we have a relationship where we talk about stuff and we're uh, very good on like expressing like where we're at you know in terms of our relationships it's really good that's something for me too and then the third one is um, how I talk to him so I'm not talking about like our t harsh tones or anything like that, but I'm talking about like in a seductive way. Um, the Bible even encourages us with that too. It talks about the immoral woman and some translations will say the adulterous woman. But I think that's so important that we as women read whether we're married, single or dating because um, sometimes the way that we come off in, in, in maybe even just saying hi, hello, you know, some of us can be so flirty. Yeah. Um, that can, you never know how lustful that can turn wow, into. That's so and good. I just want to share a scripture on that because I, um, I love uh, Proverbs 5, but I read the message translation the other day and I was like, ooh, this is, this is really good. So I want to share <laughs> with you guys. Um, Proverbs 5, verse 3 to 6 in the message version says, The lips of a seductive woman are oh so sweet, her soft words are oh so smooth, but it won't be long before she's gravel in your mouth, a pain in your gut, a wound in your heart. Wow. She's dancing down the primrose path to death. She's headed straight for hell and taking you with Woo! her. She hasn't a clue about real life, about who she is or where she is going. Dang. So I'm just mindful of the way I speak. <laughs> We're getting deep, people. That's what I like. We actually, before we go into Pastor Fernando and Ebeth, we want to actually talk a little bit in our church. As our church has grown a lot the last year, we're now seeing over a thousand people on a weekend, which is amazing. But with that, we have 
a whole heap of new people who've just placed their faith in Christ. And so we have a lot of journeys, a lot of different people with different backgrounds. And so most people are coming in, they're living together, they're you know exploring what it means to serve Jesus in a relationship. So we want to hit for a few moments what the Bible actually says about um, dating before marriage and what God blesses and what his favor is there. So PA, tell yeah. us. Yeah, um, you know, I love what Jesse said. Uh, the truth of the matter is that when you have um, two little daughters, which I do and he does too, that it begins to actually make you look at life very, very differently. All of a sudden when a guy has, you know, done his own thing and then he gets a daughter, what does he do immediately? He gets very protective. That's the truth, right? And that's a reality across the board. What that, what that says to you and me is, wait, Perhaps now that I had a daughter, maybe I wasn't treating people right before. That's the truth, right? So God has daughters. All of them. Like they're all his, right? All of them. And so when he says, here's your boundary, here's your... What's he doing? He's not being a killjoy. Actually, he's trying to protect his daughters. Obviously, there's no pleasure like sex, but actually there'll be no pain in your heart like broken relationships. And so God is wanting to take people and says, I, I want you to act like um, you're my son. I want you to act like you're my daughter. Um, and so taking people from where they are to where they perhaps need to be is uh, without question a journey. And one of the things I've noticed in our transform groups, which has been so, so encouraging, is many of the men come, they start attending church for a little while, jump into a transform group. Now as they're continually being reminded of their identity, number one, and then they don't just attend church, but they actually are trying to put this thing into practice on a regular basis. Like they're trying to walk with Jesus in the morning. They're trying to walk with Jesus in the nighttime. They're literally putting the word in. Before you know it, we haven't often even talked about sexual immorality but before you know it they start going oh i don't know if i can be doing that anymore why that's the work of the holy spirit why because the holy spirit is a holy spirit he's not a seductive spirit right there's two very different things and the world would love to tell you and culture would love to tell you do whatever you want you know what happens in vegas stays in vegas i just want to tell you it doesn't what happens in vegas comes with you whatever you reap you sow it's just a reality of life and, um, and so often what we want to do is find all the pleasure and then later be blessed. I'm, I'm telling you right now, the best path of blessing is following Jesus and then you'll actually see. And I've been married now 16 years and trying to follow Jesus for 22. And I promise you the story after story after story after story that I see and I hear is this. He actually knows better than you. I promise you, God, for some reason, he, he thinks he's smarter than you. He thinks for some reason you're not as smart as him. He does, right? That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? It says, don't lean on your own understanding. It says, oh, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And so, you know, even um, counselors and, and Christian statistics, uh, sorry, non-Christian and Christian stati uh, statisticians, I had a trouble saying that, all of them say that actually um, living together before you're married, um, it, it, for some reason you would think it would work, but it doesn't. So let me just give you a couple of stats on this, and it's kind of scary um, when, it, when it comes to this. Couples who live together before marriage have a 46% higher chance of divorcing. Over 60% of couples who live together will not marry. 
Of the 40% that do get married, only five out of six will marry, will make it in three years of marriage. And then it even goes on to say, uh, this won't be on the screen, do you know only 10% of them are together after 12 years? So what am, what am I saying? I'm not trying to beat you if you're living together. I want to point you to Jesus. I want to point you to the presence of God. Being a Christian isn't coming to church. It's actually having the Holy Spirit live within and so the Holy Spirit is going to lead you into more healthy and whole lifestyles and conversations. Um, let me also say this. Um, when people live together, what actually happens is they have two very different paradigms of thinking. See, what happens when you get married? You stand before a priest, you stand before a pastor. And what does the pastor say? He says, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. So you're at least on the same page, right? When you live together, one's like, I found the one. The other one's like, oh, I'm saving rent. And that's just the truth because the girl's like, oh my gosh, we're going to get married one day and we're going to have kids. And he's like, I never want kids. Because you never talked through it, because there was no actually, let's get on the same page. What actually happens is one comes in with one perception, one comes in with another perception. And even if you ask them what their perception is, that doesn't mean they told you the truth. How many of you in a relationship have ever asked a question and they told you what you wanted to hear? Do you want to marry me one day? Oh, probably. Let's just move in together, see how it goes. And then when I can get an upgrade, I might. When the new three-year lease comes in, I'll just switch. And you've got to understand that that's a reality sometimes in the hearts of men and the hearts of women. And um, it's just a reality. Um, can I any, say something? Any, you can, my love. I want you to. Yeah. So, and some people might be in here right now and you might be like, oh yeah, we've talked that through. We know where we're at with kids, with this, with that. But at the end of the day, even though you may have great communication, at the end of the day, it all comes down to what is God's best for you? What does God's word say? You can think you have it all figured out. And it's not like we're, this is not a condemnation against you. We're just, just trying to say the same way I tell Hopi, don't touch the stove. It's going to burn. It's not because I'm trying to take something away from her. I'm trying to protect her so she doesn't get burnt. So you could have all these conversations down pat. No, we've got our communication down. Great. At the end of the day, God can only bless and favor what he has put in his word as the pathway to blessing. And so the pathway to blessing is to waiting until you're married um, to do married things, you know? So that's right. You know, John chapter eight is uh, one of the most famous passages of scripture. And I think it's one of those passages of scripture that I hope all of us get deep in our heart. In John chapter 8 and verse 10, here's what it says. Jesus, a woman has been brought to Jesus. She has been caught in adultery. And the Pharisees literally throw her at the feet of Jesus. And they say, should we stone her? Then Jesus straightens up after, after basically asking them, um, you without sin throw the first stone. Then she says, then he says, sorry, woman, where are you? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, sir then neither do I condemn you. Now, this is so important. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. However, please watch this. Jesus declared then, go now and leave your life of sin. Yeah. So in other translations, he first says, daughter. So what does he do? To an adulterous woman, he literally gives her the greatest compliment God can ever give anyone. You are my son. You are my daughter. Yes. Jesus literally looks at a woman caught in adultery and literally says, daughter identity now says go and leave your life of sin 
the, the, at the end of the day, what I want to encourage you with is this. If you keep staring at Jesus, you'll find your identity. Yes. And then you'll begin to play out what that looks like on a moral and, and every perspective. Like my identity in Jesus has to trump everything else. Yes. You know, in, in, a, in a world that's claiming every other identity. No, I'm a child of God first foremost. And then as I stare at that and learn to carry the presence of God on a daily basis, then and only then can I leave my life of sin. And that goes for every part of us. Like that goes for alcohol, that goes for drugs sometimes, that goes for gossip, that goes Amen. for all kinds of things. We literally, all of us, you know the law, hold this one second. The law, the only power that the law has is to give us guidance, but then it actually, its power is to point out your faults. And then you're left with nothing except, Jesus, I need you. Come on. But that's the place you need to be, yes. and I need to be. Then I look up to Jesus, right? And his presence comes with me, and then so I can good. live this thing out. Yeah. I love, we hear so many stories coming out of transform groups, right? Yeah. On uh, people who were living together, people who were sleeping together before yeah. getting married. Tell us some of the ones that you love. That Yeah, I mean, know. I got a text this, this, uh, this week, actually. One of the guys in our groups was like, hey, it looks like, uh, I really feel like as I've been reading through the transform stuff, I feel like I need to go take that next step and make this thing, you know, official in the eyes of God. We had another person who was um, engaged and going to get married in three months and, and, and we didn't even talk about it. He went away on vacation. It felt like the Holy Spirit was like, hey, you need to get your life right with me. And all of a sudden he began to change some lifestyles and so forth and really honored that commitment um, till marriage and so forth. And then, and, and I would say one of the greatest things we see too is just the, the danger of marriage is um, apathy gets on lots of men. Men are hunters. They stick a deer on the wall and then they leave it there. <laughs> and the problem with that in marriage is you've, you've, you've caught her and now men stick her on the wall and they leave her there. They never pursue her anymore. What we do in, in Transform is we make sure that the men in marriage are still pursuing. That's good. Right, and, and all of a sudden, just For those sure. small tweaks and small changes, all of a sudden your so marriage good. goes from a 3 out of 10 to an 8 out of 10, yeah. and you're screaming hallelujah. <laughs> That's yeah. so good. So let's talk a little bit about what the Bible says about sex before marriage. Unpack that a little bit. Yeah, um, so... Everybody's favorite topic. Everyone's yeah, getting comfortable yeah, this now. Is everyone's favorite. Like, this is uh, awkward. We're talking about sex in church. <laughs> at the end of the day, again, uh, God is good. God is for you, but God yes. is holy. Yeah. Um, people do love to change scripture. The, that's the reality. Uh, they like to say, oh, that's, that's, that's then and that's then. 26 letters in the New Testament, 26, over 20 of them speak on sexual immorality. I think it's about 24. Off the top of my head, I know Philippians doesn't, and there's probably two or three books of the New Testament that do not address this one thing. What does that mean? That means that's a lot of the Bible. Yeah. Um, so again, if I will place myself at the foot of Jesus, if I will stare at him and let him tell me who I am, then out of that, and, and the Bible says I am now the temple of the living God. You don't come to church to the temple. No, you are. Once you receive Jesus, you're actually the temple of the living God. Yes. So then if I'm the temple, if I'm the carrier of the presence of God, it means I then act very differently than other people. Yeah. Doesn't mean I don't struggle. Doesn't mean you won't struggle. Doesn't mean there won't be all kinds of different things. But at the end of the day, sexual immorality outside of the context of one man, one woman in, in the marriage bed 
is in scripture without question it is a sin so what are we to do we are to bring our sin to god we'd ask him to cleanse it and then say god help me forsake it yeah that at the end of the day i and i would say this anything other than what i just told you right now is inauthentic to the christian experience yeah because sometimes you get people on pastors, even on TV, and they're getting asked questions, and they've watered down the Word of God so much that you're like, wait, that's not even the Christian experience. Yeah. The Christian experience was, I used to get drunk, then I walked into church, presence of God came on me, and in my heart, I went, oh, I guess I don't get drunk anymore. Yeah. That was my experience. I literally said, oh, shoot, don't drink as much. <laughs> Why? Because I had the presence of God encounter. And if, again, if you're struggling with all kinds of different sin and sexual sin and so forth, man, more than anything else, what you actually need is the presence of God. Yes. And the presence of God will heal you. And the presence of God will give you strength to stop doing certain things. And then you put boundaries around it. And man, some of those boundaries are you're watching TV and go, oh, I need to walk out now. Or I need to change the channel now. Or I need to stop looking at that yeah. stuff. And sometimes on the practical side, it's yes, Holy Spirit, help me. But it's also being in a transform group where you have transform yeah. leaders helping you. It's like, man, I'm getting really tempted right now to go look at porn. I'm getting really tempted right now to go on Tinder. I'm getting really tempted right now to do this. You yeah. call your transform leader or your dream team leader. Yeah. Say, yo, pray for me. Hold me accountable and be real and honest with them. And their joy will be to see you walking out in victory yeah. and saying no to the flesh. My flesh is not my Lord. Yeah. Jesus is my Lord. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So let's move on to the next yeah. part. Yeah, we have a few minutes left. We wanted to ask Pastor Fernando and Ebeth a little bit about their story. So Pastor Fernando, you were divorced about 14 years ago before becoming a Christian. Um, tell us a little bit about what led to that divorce. And um, yeah, just talk to us a little bit about that. So I was excessively obsessed with bodybuilding, uh, which led my, I'm going to make sure I put the ex in front of it, ex-wife. Uh, to seek attention and attention from other men, which led to her infidelity, which led to the divorce. Did you guys try to reconcile um, when you saw that she was heading down that path of infidelity because she felt not valued by you, not having attention? Did you try to correct that, reconcile that, talk to us about that? Yeah, so through that journey, uh, actually the day after she moved out, I accepted Christ, uh, and one of my best friends was a witness to me for many years. Um, and that was vital because I tried to reconcile. She kind of had just sailed off. And one thing that I did, and I want to mention this, is though we were separated, I was still faithful to the marriage. Even when we weren't living together, I made sure that I stayed faithful. And the way I did that is I had accountability partners. Being 34 and coming to Christ and dating worldly, it's like, we're like, well, how do you get to know people? You're always around people. And I wasn't used to that. But having those people around me kept me accountable really to honor the marriage. Did you find it was like a long pathway to forgive her or forgive that part of your life? Because at the end of the day, right, you can forgive someone, but there's still the pain of the past, like forgiving the pain from yeah. the past. So important. Talk us through that path. I think forgiving her was a little bit easier for me because I took full responsibility. And that really happened That's after so I gave my life to Christ. If I was still in the world, I would be blaming her. I would have said she cheated on me and all that stuff. But because I was obsessive and that led to her seeking, because women usually don't seek intentions. It takes a long time for a woman to break. I've learned this from my mistakes. Um, so for, to forgive her was easy. To forgive myself took a little bit of more of a process. What was hard for me to do is trust her because trust takes a, lifelong, a lifetime to uh, build and a moment to, to lose. So that was the struggle right there. Yeah. So few years after your divorce, was it like three or four years or so, uh, you met Ebeth and you guys got married. Tell us a little bit about that and how you handled now, 
how you view your marriage now with Ebeth in the light of having Christ as the center with your divorce in the past. What are some of the things you've done differently? What's been the strength of your marriage? What's, six pack does not guarantee a great marriage. I'm just saying that. Big muscles don't. A great heart Amen. does. Come on. So I just yeah. want to say that. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. So we should strive to be physically healthy, but it does not guarantee. Um, one thing is don't bring the past into, your mar into my marriage. So when it comes to working out and all that, I am arm's length. Mm. I encourage her, but it's her choice. And learning how to love in the content of marriage. My parents were good uh, mom and dad, but they weren't a great husband and wife. Okay. So I had to relearn that language. And Pastor Mary and Pastor Anthony actually taught me, like I would watch them and my God, we've been in a relationship series like nine years now. So it's been like little by little every year learning that process. Good. So, Ebeth, this one's for you. So, you were also previously married uh, before marrying Fernando. Um, tell us a little bit about that and how has leaning into God's strength been a blessing to your marriage now of 10 years, right? 10 years well, you guys been married? 10 years Yay. in June. Yeah. Well, it's basically when you do not know God, I was in a relationship for almost, almost 21 years when my marriage failed. Of course, it had been broken before that. But the day that I signed, it was almost 21 years that I had been married. No God, when you do not have God in your life, there's no boundaries, there's nothing. So the marriage crumbled and with painful divorce, painful uh, custody battle, so it was horrible. But then I met Fernando a couple of years later. And, but it's different. But the first thing is my heart needed a surgeon so good okay so I needed to heal so good from what I had experienced in the past knowing that he's not my ex yeah. so I wasn't gonna bring everything that happened to me because I married very young girls listen to your moms <laughs> <laughs> if they tell you do not marry do not marry <laughs> so I did it out of the spice of my mom my mom told me do not do it and that's the first thing I did I was too young and too stupid. But right now, <laughs> right now I know better. Yeah. I have God. You truly understand what love is, truly love is, when you know the love of God. Yeah. When you truly know who, who you are in Christ, who you, how much he loves you. So but you have to accept that. Because if you do not accept, you could read it in the Bible. But if you do not accept love, because I didn't know how to accept love because I was never loved. So when I knew how God loved me and who I am in Christ, and I'm a child of God. And my, my verse, it's like, and 1 John 4, 18 is, there's no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. Amen. So once I truly understood how much I'm loved, who I am, who I belong to, so good. then he gives me, hey, I'm worth it. Come on. I am the daughter of a king, and I am worthy to be loved and to love. Once you love, you know how to love and give love because you cannot give what you do not have. Yeah, so good. So if you do know how much you love, how much you are loved, then nothing else will matter so knowing God's love I was able to forgive to release the anger that I had inside of me 
But it was only because God had to do a surgery on me. So good. And his name was Jesus. Amen. Okay. So good. And our relationship now is based on trust, love, and forgiveness. So good. Okay. So being married and second marriages, you have to learn how to love not the way you loved the way that God loves you. Yeah. Okay. You know, we don't have time to maybe cover all of it, but yeah. we were, um, that intentional thing is so critical when it comes to marriage, but it's also so critical when it comes to kids, right? So we've got three kids. Yep. We know lots of people that have kids and that intentionality mm-hmm. to keep dating, that intentionality to go away a couple of times per yeah. year. Um, yeah, because a lot of people, we had someone come up to us, you know, like, speak to us how do we not make the kids the center of our marriage because you know a lot of people after their kids go to college they look at each other like who are you like 30 years like 20 years later like oh yeah you're my husband I thought you were just my co-mate and you know raising these kids and so they stopped dating they stopped pursuing each other everything was about taking the kids to games they never cultivated a romantic relationship anymore they don't know each other they've changed and all of a sudden they're looking at each other in the face they're empty nesters and they're like who are you and they get a divorce and so me and Anthony have always been intentional to go away once a year twice a year for a weekend for a few days without the kids now I suffer I'm like I miss the kids but it's important for them to see mommy and daddy are cultivating their marriage like every week when we go on our date or sometimes every other week it depends you know they're like Shelly will be like mommy it's been like a week or two since you guys have gone on your date and I think that's important that they see that you know, they need to see that mommy and daddy, we love you kids, but we love us. The most important thing we can do for our children is to love each other more than anything. The most safest thing that we could do, you know? So yes, we, we prioritize our children, of course, but our priority is Christ in our marriage so that our children can see what a healthy relationship that they should model one day in the future. Yeah, my son asked me a question a while ago. We went away for a night. He's like, Daddy, how come we didn't come? And I, and I literally did tell him, I was like, son, one of the best things I could ever do for you is model a healthy marriage with mommy. Um, because otherwise you can either, you've got a decision when you've got married with kids, you can either have a kid centric home or you can have a married centric home. The truth of the matter is the married centric home is the foundation and then the kids are absolute blessings. My goodness, I love being a dad, but you have to model um, and that takes energy, it takes effort, it takes intentionality to do that. And I pray that um, many of you will just begin to think about what does that look like in your own marriage? What does that look like to keep a date night, go away sometimes? What does that look like if you've got kids, especially when young kids yeah. and you're not sleeping that much? Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. one's as tired as, as someone with like young, young kids. I mean, yeah. no one is as tired. And you have these young people walking around sometimes actually, like, I'm tired. I'm like, no, you're yeah. not. You don't even oh, I know. know. I know, but it's actually like, and we even laugh about it, but it's actually a thing. You know, newly, like newly new parents in essence, they don't realize how much adding a kids to the mix really rocks their marriage sometimes a little bit if they're not, if they're not ready for what's about to come. It changes your sex life, it changes your rest, it changes, it changes a lot of stuff. And so it is important that you understand that the important thing is keeping Christ at the center, cultivate that marriage, love your kids. And it's not making the kids the center of your marriage and running around like hamsters, you know, trying to keep up. Um, so, yeah, that's just really quickly because we have to close. We want to unpack that a little bit more, but we'll have to leave it there. Would you close your eyes with me? 
Father, I thank you for every man, every woman, every young person within the sound of my voice. And I just continually pray for this house that you would, by your spirit, produce incredible fruit in relationships. I pray you'd speak where you need it, you'd build, you'd encourage. Lord, as Ebeth was talking about, I pray the love of Jesus would saturate people in their hearts, that it would, it would not be a concept. It would be something they sit in, they live in, that they carry the very temple of the living God, the presence of the living God. God, I thank you. We are carriers of your presence all across our lives, not in just Sunday, all across our lives. Help us carry your presence. You might be here today and you might know God far away. You might know of church, but do you carry his presence? Would you confidently say, I am a child of the Most High God. Jesus did not come into the world. He did not come into the world to condemn people. He came into the world to die upon a cross, to literally pay for the sin of humanity. The Father, there is a gap between God and humanity and Jesus is that bridge. Jesus himself loves you. Jesus himself died on the cross for you. He wants you to surrender your heart to Him. If you're not a child of God today, you can actually become a child of God. If you felt like you've ran away, slipped away, fell away from God, out of relationship with God, you can surrender to Christ today. There's some people here today, It's man, it is urgent that you receive Christ today. Man, there will not be many other moments where you get an invitation to come to God today there's there's some of you playing with all kinds of stuff and i promise it'll ruin your life but jesus is talking to you today surrender to me and i'm gonna i'm gonna come into your world and forgive you it's all across this place we're gonna pray a prayer and that prayer will lead you to the essence of jesus christ come on pray this prayer with me say jesus thank you for loving me i invite you into my heart be my lord be my savior be my very best friend. Change my life. Plant me in your house. Reveal your purpose to me. From this day on, I declare I am a child of God. All across this place, while eyes are closed, while heads are bowed, if you meant business with God, would you let me know by slipping up your hand? One, two, three. Come on, raise your hand, raise it up high. All across this place, thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all over the place. Put up high and long enough for me to see it. I just want to see and recognize your hand today. Thank you, those guys in the middle. Thank you, those guys in the back and the side. Thank you, those two there. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, sweetheart. That's awesome today. Another one in the back there. That's awesome today. Thank you, that one right there. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. Father, I thank you for every hand, but I thank you for every heart. In the mighty name of Jesus, strengthen their hearts strengthen their minds, strengthen their spirits, fill them with the Holy Spirit, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, a faithful church said. Come on, if you receive God's word today, would you give me a hand?